0: This is our fourth week in the series, and each week what we do is we take one of the seven things that Christ has said, one of the seven things that Jesus said while on the cross, and we take a closer look at it. We look at kind of the historical context, and we look at what it really means to us. Um, collide happened last week, so it kind of put us off a week, and now we're, now we're back in it. So let's go ahead and hit the ground running with that. Turn to Matthew 27, verse 41. Matthew chapter 27, verse 41, and this is a good um, little section of Scripture because it really catches us up to everything that we've talked about beforehand, just about, and it ends with what we're going to talk about tonight. So Matthew 27, verse 41, and and leaders kind of help out those who may be struggling to figure out where uh, where that verse is, and at least point them to the table of contents, either one. So Matthew 27, verse 41, and we're going to read through 46. Let's go. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking Jesus and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross. So Christ is hanging on the cross in this moment. And we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he delights in him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Verse 44, the robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same word. So just remember, this is like Matthew says, both robbers were making fun of Jesus on the cross. Both thieves on the cross originally were making fun of Christ. And then thanks to the Holy Spirit, one of the thieves realized what Jesus was doing for him And then began to defend Jesus. And and because the thief realized what Christ was doing for him, he became a Christian on the cross. And Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. Like Bob talked about a few weeks ago. So that's verse 44. Look at verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, so that's noon, now from the sixth hour darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. So that's 3 p.m. So one more time. Now from the sixth hour darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out from the cross with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The death of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind is the most beautiful and the most perplexing event in human history. And I say perplexing, I say confusing, because maybe you're like me, and and. You, you've grown up kind of maybe hearing about the death of Jesus and you've maybe heard this word, gospel, some, but you can't really reconcile it. You can't really understand what the death of a Jew 2,000 years ago has to do with your life today, has to do with, has to do with you. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight, the cross and you. Or maybe we should call it, maybe we should call it your cross and you. Picture it like this. Um, there's a moment when you're growing up where you do something wrong, and, and I want you to picture something actually bad, something you would really get in big trouble for. Maybe, maybe you were looking at something on your computer that you're not supposed to look at, and, you've, and you left it up on the screen, or maybe you've broken something in your house that is of great value, and it's in a mess in pieces on the floor. And while you're walking around panicking, You see your brother or your friend walk into the middle of the broken mess or sit down in front of the computer screen. They are going to take the blame for you. And just then, your parents get home, and they come in, and you see that look on on mom or dad's face when they realize that something bad has happened. And they look at what's happened, And they look at your brother or they look at your friend and they begin to scream at your brother and and just just unload. And as you watch your brother being punished for what you did wrong, you see him never folding. He He never collapses and says, okay, okay, he did it. It wasn't me. Okay, this is too much. She did it. It wasn't me. He never does that. But this, but this yelling is severe. And it hurts to hear it. And in the yelling, you begin to realize what you've known all along. The yelling is the worst part. That, that time that feels like an eternity, that moment of total anger and wrath being poured out on your brother is just, is just awful to watch. And it's much worse to bear it. And, there's, and, there's, and now, now come in, because there's a moment. There's a moment while your brother is bearing it. That the yelling and the anger just becomes too much. And your brother breaks inside and his eyes water. And in the middle of the yelling, he, does it, he doesn't fold, but tears begin to fall down his face. That that exact moment, when that begins to happen, that exact moment, when the yelling is just too much and his eyes begin to water and the tears start to fall, he'll, he'll take the punishment for you, but in that moment, it's broken him. That moment, that when it breaks, that's exactly what's happening on the cross when Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the moment. This is the moment right here with what we've been talking about this whole time. This is the exact moment when Jesus is kicked out of his family and the door is now open so that we can be drawn in by God. In John 6.44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. That drawing, that can't happen without the cross. And You say, why can't that happen without the cross? Because you're too sinful. You're too covered in sin. And God cannot be in the presence of sin. He can't draw you in. All He can do is torture you and punish you because of your sin. But... On the cross, Jesus is being screamed at and tortured and punished for you in your place. Now your punishment has been given. Now God can draw you. Let's take a closer look at that and let's start with the punishment. Look at verse 45. Look at Matthew 27, verse 45. And let's look at this punishment. Let's look at this darkness. Okay. Now, from the sixth hour, and again, that's noon, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. So remember, from noon to 3 p.m., darkness falls on the land. From noon to 3 the time, the time when, think about when you go outside at 2.30 in the afternoon, the time of day when the sun is at its highest point in the sky. The time of day when it's supposed to be brightest outside. And it's total darkness. There's, um, there's, a, there's, like, there's a historical record that talks about letters that Romans were writing to each other during this time on this day. And one of the records says that all the lamps in Rome were lit from noon to three pretty cool we have a habit in the church of associating this darkness on the cross this darkness we associate it with sadness as if if there's a sadness with jesus being put on the cross and and god is mourning his son on the cross and that's not what's happening here remember jesus is not being mourned by god at this point jesus is being punished by god here For us. And that actually fits because in the Old Testament, when you look back, in the Old Testament, darkness is not associated with sadness, in the Old Testament, darkness is associated with punishment. And if we had time, we would look at Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 13, Isaiah 60, Joel 2, Joel 3, Amos chapter 5, Zephaniah 1, and even in the New Testament, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Acts 2, and we would look at all these instances where darkness is associated with punishment. But we're just going to look at a couple. So go to Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 10. And we're going to look at a quick connection, and we'll look at a couple more. But we're going to look at the connection that God draws between darkness and punishment, not sadness. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 10 says this. And this is God speaking. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. So they won't give off their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Why? Thus, I will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud. So you see, the darkness there is associated with punishment. God puts darkness with punishment. Listen, you don't have to turn there. Listen to Zephaniah one fifteen. The day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin. So you got trouble and ruin, distress, wrath, anguish. A, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. So, so in God's mind, darkness is associated with punishment. And think about one that you guys know very well. Think about an exodus, when, when God is not just freeing the Israelites From the Egyptians. God is also punishing the Egyptians for their worship of false gods, and He's stripping their false gods from them. And He gives them 10 plagues. Well, the last plague, the 10th plague, is the death of the firstborn. But that plague was predicted from the beginning, so it's kind of in its own category, okay? So take the 10th one away, and now you've got nine plagues. And the plagues come in sets of three. Well, the ninth plague, the last one in the set of three, the ninth plague is the plague of darkness. So darkness shrouds Egypt, and while this darkness is covering Egypt, the death of the firstborn comes. So this extreme punishment of God is done in the shroud of darkness. So you see how, in God's mind, darkness and punishment go together. Well, punishment for what? What is, what, is he, what is he punishing so severely? What does he hate so severely? Sin. Listen to these. Psalm 5, 5. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence, Lord. You hate all who do wrong. Okay, you got to begin to make a category for your mind in this because this makes the cross that much better. Listen again. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate All who do wrong. God does not just hate the sin that people commit. He hates and has hatred for the sinners who commit them. He does not just hate the evil that people do. He hates the people who do evil. This makes the cross that much more scandalous, that much more incredible, that much sweeter, that much more amazing. And we'll get there in just a second, but listen to a couple more of these. Psalm eleven five: The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the ones who love violence. So the depths of God's soul, depths that we don't even realize, they hate wickedness and the wicked people who who do these wicked things. Leviticus 20:23 20, and this is this is when God is bringing the Israelites into the promised land and they're surrounded by all these other uh, all these other nations. You must not live according to the customs of the nations that I'm going to drive out before you because they did all these things I detest them. To detest means to dislike strongly. Last one Hosea 9:15. Every every evil of theirs is in the country of Gilgal there i began to hate them because of the wickedness of their deeds i will drive them out of my house i will love them no more so and 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 maybe you know that's just the old testament with god and his hatred for sinners and for and for the wickedness that they do that's just the old testament Well, let's look at the New Testament and look at what the New Testament says about how God feels about sinful people and sin. Turn to John chapter 3, verse 36. John chapter 3, verse 36. And it says this He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So he who does not obey the Son, that's sin. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Do you know what wrath means in in, in the Greek? It means means anger. It means his, his anger stays on them. He is angry at the person. Not just at the sin that they're doing, but at the person. It also means vengeance. Vengeance is meant, it means when you pay somebody back for what they owe you. And we have sinned against God, and so he owes us this wrath. That's what we're supposed to get for our sin, is this wrath. Listen to Habakkuk 1.13. Your eyes are too pure to approve of evil, Lord, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. So, so God, His eyes are so pure that He cannot even look on evil. He cannot even look on us in our sin. So we are separated. Our sin has totally separated us from God. We are separated from God by His holiness and by His anger at us and our sin. So now go back to the cross. So all of God's anger, all of God's hatred, all of God's wrath, all of God's justice and punishment towards us is being poured out on Christ instead from noon to 3 p.m. All of the anger and hatred and wrath that is reserved for us God instead, in love, takes it away from us and pours it out on Christ instead on the cross from noon to 3 p.m. Now remember, we've been talking about this darkness. Darkness means punishment, remember? So darkness means punishment. It's punishment for sin. The greater the darkness, the greater the punishment. The greater the darkness, the more severe the punishment. A little bit of darkness means a little bit of punishment. God's hatred for our sin, God's hatred for all of our sin was so great that He had to blot out the sun. The greater the darkness, the greater the punishment. And God has blotted out the sun to show how angry He was and how extreme this punishment was that was being poured out on Jesus for us and our sins. So you see, the cross is the perfect example The cross is the perfect example, not just of God's hatred of sinners, but a perfect example of the lengths He is willing to go to to save them. The cross is the perfect example of God's hatred for sinners, but even more so, it is a perfect example of His love for them. The cross is the perfect example of the punishment that sinners deserve and the mercy That we receive instead. It is a testament of the strength of God's hatred of sin, and it is a testament of the strength of his love for us. If you want to understand how much God hates sin, look at the cross. If you want to understand how much God loves us, look at the cross. An eternity of suffering. For all the sins of every person who would one day be a Christian in just three hours. A punishment too horrible to understand. Your punishment. That was, that was waiting for you when you died. But it's, but it's important that you hear w- w- this part. That was your punishment. But Jesus has taken it all. That was what was waiting for you when you died. But now, thanks to Jesus, let's look at what happens when you die now, if you are in Christ. Turn to John 8, John 51. John chapter 8, verse 51. So that was what was waiting for us when we die. And now, if we are in Christ, this is what is waiting for us. John 8, 51, Jesus is speaking, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So, so if we place our faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone, we will not see death. So death, this thing that nobody talks about in, in church ever, this, this terrible thing that is supposed to separate us from God for all eternity Thanks to Jesus, death has now become this sweet entrance into the kingdom of God. Quicker and easier than falling asleep one day, bam, we'll just be there. One minute we'll be here, and the next minute we'll be there. That's what he has bought for us that's the sweetness of the gospel. Instead of, instead of receiving all of his hatred and all of his wrath and all of his justice and his punishment that we deserve, he put it on Christ instead on the cross. But why? Why would Jesus do this? The, the darkness, the awful rage that Christ endured, the worst punishment ever On the cross, and don't forget about what happened to him. Don't forget about what we've been talking about. Don't forget about what happened to him before he even got there. Skin ripped from his back by the whip. Commentators say a lot of times that if you were to close your eyes and and touch Jesus' back after the whip, his back would feel like they say his back would feel like jelly or putty because of how the muscles have been flipped over and turned in his back. Nails in his hands and feet on the cross. But here's one we don't usually catch. Isaiah chapter 50 tells us that while the soldiers were beating up Jesus before they took him to the cross, they actually ripped out pieces of his beard on his way to the cross. Why? Why would he endure all of these things? Turn to John 3.17 and we'll see. Why would Christ go through all of these things? John 3.17 tells us. Not John 3.16. 3.17 is is just as good. Give you guys a second to get there. John 3.17 For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Look at me. He did it. To save you. He did it. He did it. Why would he do all of this? He did it to save you. Notice. Notice that I did not say he did this so that you could go earn it later. No. You are being saved. You are being saved here. You are being saved right here. Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is receiving the, the, that, that breaking of the connection that we deserve between God. Jesus is receiving that then so that we don't have to now. You are being saved right there. It's not up to you anymore. Christ took it all. Salvation, this is so important. Salvation does not come in two parts, because this is what we hear all the time. Salvation does not come in two parts. It is not. Listen to me. It is not. Jesus came, so now you need to stop sleeping with your boyfriend. No. Now you need to stop cussing. No. Now you need to stop looking at porn. No. Christ is here because you have already slept with your boyfriend. You have already looked at porn. You have already cursed in front of the presence of a holy, amazing God who cannot even look upon sin. It's too late for you. You will never be able to put it back together. You will never be good enough. Punishment is all that's left. You've already broken it. Your heart is evil. You cannot fix it. Your parents are turning the corner and wrath is coming. And Jesus steps in the way for you. And as the sun goes dark and wrath is being poured out on Him, He looks down from the cross and He says something to you. He doesn't say in his agony, he does not say, how could you, how could you do this to me? He does not say that. He does not say, he does not say, this is what I'm doing for you, now what are you going to me, do for me? He doesn't say that. He looks at you and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Because I've been punished for your sin. There's no no punishment left. You get to go to heaven with me now. We'll go and we'll walk in the cool of the day together. It'll be just like the Garden of Eden, except better. There will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. This is what I have bought for you. Turn to Mark 14, 36. Mark chapter 14, verse 36. And this might be the best part of the gospel, of, of what we get. But we've got to look at what it is. So, Mark 14, 36. You guys know this pretty well. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before the people come to get him, and before he gets taken to the cross, he's, he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mark 14, 36, and then I'm going to ask you a question. And Jesus was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he calls God something. What does he call him? Abba calls him father and he calls him abba do you know what abba means it means father but but more than that listen it means it means daddy it means it means literally it means daddy jesus had jesus had followed this jesus was born with such a closeness with a holy god who cannot look upon sin such an intimacy with him that he can call him daddy Daddy now think back to Matthew 27:46 listen my god my god why have you forsaken me did you notice what jesus doesn't call god there what does he not call him he does not call him abba he does not call him father think about think about when you're suffering when you're in a lot of pain the first thing you call out for is your mom or your dad and jesus is in the ultimate mark of suffering. I mean, it's just natural. Why would he not call out to his daddy? Why would he not call out to his father? Because God isn't Jesus's father in that moment. My God, my God. He is not Jesus's father in that moment. Their intimate connection has been broken so that we can be connected to God. Jesus is kicked out of His family for us. So Jesus loses this connection with God. So, so if that happens to Jesus, then what happens to us? Turn to Romans 8:15. And you'll see. Romans chapter eight, verse 15. So what do we get now? Romans 8.15 For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as children by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Because of the cross, we are adopted into Jesus' family into God's family because of the cross we are now made God's children and we can call God father daddy all the intimacy and connection that Jesus had with God we get it now and how do we get it how do we get this intimacy this connection with God from the cross how do we get to connect to God how do we become children of God Galatians 3:26 tells us Galatians 3:26 For you Now remember, how do we become children of God through the cross? For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3:26 For you are all children of God through faith. In Christ Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we enter into God's family. We are rescued from punishment. We are brought into connection with God through faith. Well, what what does that mean? What does faith mean? What is faith? Faith is seeing Jesus as beautiful. Seeing Jesus as worthy of following. Seeing Him as Lord Thanks to Christ, we are adopted into God's family and we can now be born again and see Him as beautiful. The, the coverings, the scales can fall from the eyes of our hearts and we can see him as beautiful thanks to the cross. God can now draw us in. How does he draw us in? That word in Greek for to draw in, it means to drag, it means to pull, it also means to convince. God can show us his beauty now. And you couldn't see it as beautiful before. But the cross has bought us into God's family. Come into the family of Jesus, come into the family of Jesus. Listen to Hebrews four ten. For the one who has entered God's rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. When we when we enter when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we enter into God's rest. And we can stop resting from our works. We can, stop re- we, can, we can rest. We can rest from our works. We can stop trying to work our way to salvation. Look at me. Well, I work for salvation. I don't, I don't work, Ryan. I don't work for my salvation. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All the time. You work harder for your salvation than so many people around you. You work for your salvation all the time. How do I work for myself? You're trying to fix it. You're trying to fix it. And you think that the next boy, or the next girl, or the next good grade, or the next new album, or the next new movie, or the next piece of clothing, you think that they will fix it. And they won't. And you, say, and you say, I don't work for my salvation, Ryan. Let me ask you a question. Why are you tired all the time then? And I'm not talking about physically tired. I'm talking about you're tired on the inside. Why are you tired inside all the time? Let me tell you why, and then we'll be done. Jeremiah 2.13, God says this. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living water, and they have made for themselves pots and vases, broken vases that can hold no water. This is why you're tired inside all the time. Because God is the only source of water for your soul in the universe. He's the only true source of living water for your soul in the universe. And you have forsaken Him and in doing that, you have created things for yourself. Things that are not just, not just not water, but they cannot even hold water. And the whole time you're after these things that aren't water, your soul is not getting water. And your soul is dying while you reach for the next girl. Why you continue to date and date and date and date and break up and break up and break up. For the next boy, you see movie after movie after movie and you buy thing after thing after thing and it never satisfies. One more. I need one more. Continue. One more. If I just can date him, if I can just date her, if I can just get the more and more. And your soul the whole time is dying of dehydration because you're not going to the only source of living water. There's a hole in your heart, and it is meant for Jesus Christ. You are meant for a different family. You are meant to be in the family of God through faith, not works, through faith in Christ Jesus. What is faith? Through seeing Him as beautiful, through seeing Him as worthy of following. Come into the family that Christ died to put you in. Rest in the work of Jesus. Rest in Jesus' payment. I invite you guys to do this. Let's pray.